Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith, and I'm here to bring you the weekend warm-up. And like I promised so many weeks, uh, I have a special guest here, and we are bringing Schnitzel onto the program to talk about the latest and greatest news that has occurred over the last week regarding Bayern Munich in Germany. Schnitzel, my man, how is it going? Yeah, I'm doing fine, and I'm just a bit tired right now after all the assignments I've had to finish, but I think I enjoy a few things more than, you know, working on a podcast, especially with someone as interesting as you are. Yeah, well, I think you may be one of the only people that find me interesting, and that's probably even in a comical way, because you probably... Uh, listen to me unravel and rant and all of that, but um, I, I appreciate the kind words, and I think we're going to have some fun with this because we've had some good discussions on Slack over the years, and uh, it's good to finally have you on this particular version of our podcast so we can talk about the news and some of the wacky things that happen around Bayern Munich, but before we even really dive into the news over the past week, I mean, how good has this team looked? I, I'm so impressed with their performances and their overall form as a team. Like, I'm kind of caught up in all this, and I'm not normally Mr. Optimism. Like, I think with when it comes to football, I'm, I'm more on the optimistic side in life. I'm definitely more of a pessimist. <laughs> like, I, pr I pretty much expect the worst out of most people. But when it comes to Bayern Munich, I've been pretty optimistic. But this is even making me look at things even in a, in a better light because I can't see a weakness here. And what are you thinking when you watch this team right now? They look like a complete machine. Yeah, I have to absolutely, absolutely agree there. And I think I speak for the entire Slack channel as well as our BFW community. When I say that usually when we head into a new season, we are usually all cautiously optimistic considering we always tend to have injuries or problems with tactics at some point of time we have changed coaches more than probably any other uh you know bundesliga like top bundesliga side the past five to ten years like we have had so many coaches come and go so many interim coaches it's been you know pretty turbulent uh kind of atmosphere from the coaching end to say the least the past decade but right now it just feels like the team has a lot of stability and they're playing incredibly well and even in's pessimism isn't enough to bring me down at this point <laughs> like uh, yeah. i just think we are rampant and we are just on a roll yeah yeah and it's funny you bring up i need no name because he is essentially the grim reaper of all optimism when it comes to Bayern munich i mean even if they were holding the champions league trophy he would think someone was going to drop it so uh <laughs> and it's funny <laughs> looking at this at this squad and just how good they've been in all areas uh the attack has been excellent the midfield's been pretty good and although i think they they still have room to grow there i don't think kimmich and goretzka have really reached their peak as of yet for this season. But one of the areas that I've been most impressed with is the defense. And one of the key members of that defense, Nicholas Sula, has been involved in what is essentially the biggest news story uh, since last week. And that was the WhatsApp messenger scandal. <laughs> Saw some of his messages to his agent leaked uh, as a result of a lawsuit between two different agents who, of course, are fighting over money. Now, the, the biggest news to come out of that was that Sula seems like pretty intent on making a move to the Premier League. 
he had mentioned Tottenham Hotspur, Arsenal, Chelsea, Manchester United. Uh, it seemed like he was willing just to take about any gig in the Premier League. And part of the reason was Niko Kovac. He just seemingly didn't like to play under Kovac. Uh, given his uncertain contact, contract status and the fact he could be leaving uh, next summer, uh, Schnitzel, what did you make of all that? And do you think that, that Sula is really that serious about getting out of Bavaria? I have honestly felt that Zula over the years, he's uh, proved to buy in time and again that he can be one of the world's best centre-backs when he's in form. And he is a force to be reckoned with when he's fit. And he has been showing this season just why so many Bayern fans value him and rate him so highly. He's just been brilliant. And it's so unfortunate that the WhatsApp messages have come out at this point in time. I just think it's very unlucky. And uh, I, I could even say that, you know, although the Bayern board the re in recent years have been uh, skeptical of his, you know, form and his physique and how he's been taking things in training, I feel they themselves might have been more inclined to extend him watching his performances under Nagelsmann only for this WhatsApp fiasco to hit FC Hollywood out of nowhere. I mean, uh, this is kind of at this point, you know, our seasonal dose of drama and we kind of are used to it at this point. But I don't think that should impact his performances or the contract situation. I think we should extend Zula and I have no other angle or say on that. There's just no one I see, you know, by and signing and replacing him adequately at this point. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I, I think 100% they should sign him. And I, I've been a huge Sula fan over the years. And I think I think last season he kind of got a bad rap. And we always hear, you know, the, the hashtag Fat Sula references. And we've had a lot of fun with that over the years because it's just blatantly absurd to think that, that even though he's a big guy, that, that he had let himself get that out of shape. Uh, but one of the things that's really – kind of caught my eye with him is that he didn't have that confidence last season in that first year after his knee surgery, but he looks like a completely different player this season. And, and to me, he's been the most consistent and best of the Bayern Munich center backs so far. And I think other than that ACL injury that he had during the, the uh, treble winning season, he has been pretty healthy. Like I, I like that. He's dependable. I like that. He's versatile. Obviously I like his physical attributes and that he's big, that he's fast He's a good passer, and he's kind of got that offensive mentality from his past as playing as a striker and as an attacking midfielder. Um, I think he's just a big key moving forward for Bayern Munich. I know that you rate him like you just said. Uh, you know, what do you think it looks like moving forward with this defense? If they can retain Sula, how does Nagelsmann make it all work with Upamecano and Hernandez and having three, you know, just world-class quality center backs? Uh, to start off, I would say that having Zula in the team is really valuable because he can put in amazing performances at both right centre-back and the right-back positions. And the fact that we now have a player who can man the right-back position with such expertise and you know bring in such quality means that the onus is on Pavar now to perform better than he has been in, the, in recent weeks. And that could even be seen... And, you know, if, if you if you want to check out the highlights of the Dynamo Kiev game, you can see that he put in a much 
more improved performance during that game as a substitute than he has been in the games prior. And I feel like Zula putting pressure on him in that position is pushing him to become even better, and that could only serve Bayern Munich, uh, you know, with positive and good things in the future. And uh, moving on to how I think the defense is going to be, you know, taken care of by Nagelsmann moving forward, I think Luka Hernandez is a lock-in for left centre-back. Nobody can change my mind. He is, on his day, the best in the world. I mean, there is Virgil van Dijk, obviously, and probably Ruben Diaz in the same position, but I feel he, he has an even bigger ceiling a lot of probably questioning glances at me at this point from the viewers and the <laughs> listeners, but I, I feel uh, that I'm going to you know, stand by this point, and I think he's going to prove it to us in the coming seasons if he manages to stay fit, which is a big if. And uh, with the right centre-back position, it's going to be Upamakano and Zula rotating. I'm expecting Niklas Zula to also put in performances that right back, so it's going to be great, but I feel really bad for Chris Richards and probably, you know, Tangi Nyonzu as well, because I don't think they're going to get a lot of first-team action soon. Yeah, and I think you're right about a couple of things. And one thing that I would bring up, too, is that Sula has also shown the ability to play left center back, especially when, when Bayern had Mats Hummels and Jerome Boateng. When Sula was paired with Boateng, Sula often played that left center back spot. So for me, when I look at this, I see Nagelsmann having the ability to rotate all three players equally, keep them all healthy and even have that flexibility to move to that back three formation, which I know is, is cursed by a lot of the people in the BFW in the BFW community. But I think that that's what Nagelsmann ultimately wants to do. And if, if he really does want to go to a back three, you'd be hard pressed to find a better trio of center backs than Zula, Upamakano and Hernandez at this point. So I think that that flexibility is something that really appeals to Nagelsmann. I think Sula has a trust in Nagelsmann and wants to play for him. It's going to be a matter now is can the club convince Sula to stay and can they make him an offer financially that's going to convince him that he should stick in the Bundesliga rather than move to the Premier League. And it's funny that we we kind of touched on Sula's versatility because That'll bring us right to the next topic, and this is one that yeah, I know. Is- before we before we move on, before we move on, I'm glad that you mentioned the back three, and I'm also happy that I need no name and Samren are not here to comment on it because they would have like I don't know what they would have done to you, you know, if they had heard this conversation. But, but like, let me tell you what I think about the back three real quick. So I feel uh, obviously that the back four that bind usually employ and they have been employing you know the past decade or so and have been enjoying a lot of success uh, is the best way to go right now and I don't think it should be changed but I still believe that having the option of feeling a back three gives us a tactical flexibility and you know versatility that hasn't been seen uh, in Bayern in the recent years and I feel having a coach like Nagelsmann who is just as adept at feeling a back three formation as he is at feeling a back four formation could only benefit us against, you know, teams with different playing styles. So if you're probably facing a really quick team, that's very fast on the counter and we don't, we want to tread with caution and we don't think they're going to, you know, bother us with uh, their attacking, like, sorry, with their defensive ability, then we should go ahead and feel the back three. We deem it fit. And uh, I feel it's it's completely possible that we are short-staffed at the wing position, 
because they always tend to go down with injuries at you know during the important parts of the year. So having that back three as a possibility could be a game changer. That's what I think. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. It's for for Julian Nagelsmann. It appears to he holds a lot of value in flexibility and versatility, and what he has in those center backs and the his and their ability to shift to between a, a back three and a back four. I think it, it just makes everything so simple for him because he can game plan and strategize for any opponent and not have to worry about totally revamping things or changing the way that his, his athletes think. And, you know, for him, someone that's a master strategist, someone that's so into his job, I think that he, this is like a toy to him to have these kinds of players. And, and one of those players that, is is close to uh that you're as close to as anyone is marcel sabitzer and when i'm looking at him and his versatility i'm raising the question why can't this guy get on the pitch for Bayern munich right now and i know this hasn't necessarily been a news story but to me this is this is kind of alarming at this point i'd hope to see more from him and, and see him get on the pitch but it seems like that Nagelsmann just has him ramping up slowly and I know this is the old wire analogy, but, you know, I'd like to see him run when I think Nagelsmann wants to see him walk. I mean, right now, I guess we could say he's in the crawling stage because he's not getting on the pitch at all. Aside of, you know, some random sub, uh, substitutions where he doesn't get much playing time. What do you think's going on with him? I think, firstly, that Nagelsmann is trying to play it safe with his, you know, for, uh, with his uh, dual pivot in midfield. Like, he's having Joshua Kimmich and Leon Goretzka man, that, man those positions. And I think he feels, obviously, that that combination gives him the highest chance of success. And the Bayern team has found a rhythm. So I feel it's more about the consistency and the momentum uh, moving forward for his results. I don't think Zabitzer won't get a start. I think he will get it quite soon. But uh, I feel it's like, uh, so Dynamo Kiev could have threatened us, and they did. The starting, you know, uh, maybe 30 minutes of the game, they did try to hit us on the counter. They did try to, and without Manuel Neuer making that outrageous save, we probably would have gone, you know, conceded a goal. Uh, It's it's, uh, like, it's not very, it's not a stretch to think that Nagelsmann wants to retain this momentum. It's, uh, I think he's edging towards, you know, solidity and stability, but Zabitzer will and has to get starts because, one of Goretzka or Kimmich has to be, you know, rested eventually. Like, they, there's no way Zabitzer is benched for even, you know, longer. And I think the next two weeks, we will see him getting a start. Yeah, I, I hope so, because I've been beating this drum for weeks now. And every time I do it, Joshua Kimmich makes me look stupid and goes out and scores a goal. But I really want to see him sit. And it's not because... Yeah, you need to... <laughs> You need to criticize, you know, Bayern players more often. <laughs> the yeah. ones you, you know, don't uh, pick for success or the ones you, you know, berate are the ones who end up performing for us in big games. So Absolutely. I think you should, yeah, you should do your trademark Gnabry thing every, every week, you know, week in, week out. Just make <laughs> it a tradition and make sure he keeps scoring because he's on a roll right now. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the, uh, I guess, behind, what is it, the third wall uh, kind of stories with BFW is that every time I get frustrated with a player in our Slack channel and I say, ah, this guy needs to pick it up or he's been terrible, that person typically comes out and scores. And it's happened with Gnabry, it's happened with Thomas Muller at times, 
It's happened with Leroy Sané. I, I, I don't know what it is. Maybe I am the, the spark that these players need to turn their seasons around. But I think you're right. And hopefully, hopefully this happens with Sabitzer because I would really like I, I want him to play. And I want him to play mostly because I want to see Goretzka and Kimmich happy and with fresh legs in the second half of the season. And I think that just the mileage that they're putting on with their international duty and what they've accumulated over the past couple of seasons and dealing with this COVID-19 schedule, I think that I, I, I'm, I'm really worried about where they're going to be in March and April as, as opposed to where they are now. And it's not because I doubt their abilities. Yeah. It's just that they, yeah, absolutely. The, the total mileage they're racking uh, up is tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that, you know, uh, in order for uh, Zabitza to start, maybe you should, uh, you know, criticize his performances in training and, you know, maybe take a dig at him so that he comes out all guns firing, you know, starting a game. <laughs> should try that. Yeah, I should. I should take a run at his, 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 uh, his, his man bun or his ponytail, whatever he's got going on these days and see if that, that yeah. inspires him too. Uh, I think, I think I've seen few people sport a man bun as good as, you know, he does it. And uh, does. I really dig his hairstyle, man. He's amazing. Yeah. yeah. If I could pull that off, I would probably do it and I would go as far as, to grow that mustache as well because i mean it one i would probably look hilarious with it so i would laugh at myself every day but he definitely makes it work whereas i would look like a complete clown or i would i would look like one of these random like mugshot photos you see on the internet of somebody that looks really bad that would be me if i had that kind of haircut yeah, we need like a we need like a BFW Chuck photo album release, you know, of your past days, you know, sporting the mustache or whatever, like all your different hairstyles, fifty different hairstyles, and you know your college days and how you used to like you know ball back then. And, oh yeah, you know, it would be nice, like that and the ninety nine Luft Balloons video, of course. Nico Kowash, I hope you're listening to this. Yeah, if we if we ever get our hands on that, and I'm still. I am still upset that this has not come to light over the years that no one has produced this video. If we ever got our hands on that, I, I would probably resign from BFW because my, my life's work would be complete. That's <laughs> like, yeah, you have reached the epitome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's for sure. Because that has been the white whale. If Leroy Sané was Brazo's white whale, the 99 Luff Balloons, uh karaoke video of Nico Kovac has certainly been mine. So, um, you know, what, one other okay. thing that, that really came up this week, and we've, we've seen this as a theme over the past few months, is Kingsley Coman. And we saw that he had ditched Pini Zahavi as his agent, at least temporarily. <laughs> so that gave some Bayern Munich fans some hope that Coman could be on the verge of rethinking his stance and, and maybe wanting to extend with the club. But... Uh, the latest news that came out was that Coman still wants to be quote unquote appreciated and that he wants a lot more money. Uh, given the state of things and what the wing situation looks like at Bayern Munich Schnitzel, what would you do with Coman? Would you resign, resign him? Would you, would you let him go this summer? Would you even try and unload him this winter? What would be your stance on how to approach Coman right now? So I think I had written a piece on this like uh, around a month or two ago and it was on Coman situation. You guys can check it on BFW if you get the chance. So I think that Coman can and should be extended because he has a lot of quality 
and if it's possible to extend him only for a maximum of like 13 to 13.5 million gross a year a season sorry and i think uh, anything more than that would be unjustified simply because he is not fit enough for like more than half the season he just isn't available and i would take availability over player quality every single day of the week because you can't just show up for three games on a stretch right get yourself re-injured and then demand for like 20 million which is basically what kimish is earning and that is ridiculous you are nowhere near even the 15 million tier and just because you scored a goal in a Champions League final, and I know that was a very important goal. Oh, of course. But that doesn't entitle you to asking for the same as a player who performs for Bayern week in, week out, and who is has long been tutored to be Bayern's and Germany's future captain. So it's a completely you know different uh, situation with Coleman, and I think... If he asks for those exorbitant sums of money, and, uh, you know, obviously I'm going to take a dig at Piranha Zahavi here because of, you know, his uh, <laughs> tactics and how he gets the news out to media. And I think uh, Komen, uh didn't he dispatch Zahavi for, for, for a short while? Like, he sent him off, right? Like he, yeah, I don't think yeah. he's with Zahavi any longer. Yeah, so I think that could be a positive sign uh, towards probably, you know, heading uh, to an agreement. And I hope so. I don't want Zahavi anywhere near my club, man. Like that guy, I've had enough of that guy. (laughs) He has strapped us for cash. He has really tried to haggle every penny out of Bayern. And I just hate it when, you know, agents like Zahavi and Raiola, you know, they're doing business with uh, clubs like fine like just just shoe off seriously <laughs> or you can just get the or you can just get the Oli Khan treatment you know if you're asking for it <laughs> yeah, I mean those two are the worst I mean as far as agents go I hate any time a Bayern Munich hires either one of those two to deal with their contractual situations because it's always a yeah. headache it's always nonsense and- and, and uh, all those negotiations always leave like a su- sour taste in all our mouths because they always end up in controversy. The media tends to gets to know more than anyone knows probably. And they just, you know, it's just a lot of controversy surrounding the player and it eventually leads to a lot of, you know, friction between the player and the administration as evidenced during the Alaba saga when... Uh, you know, there was uh, going out with some members of the Bayern board and some fans had some nasty things to say. And you know, it was a very toxic kind of environment. So I think I would just prefer if Zahavi just, you know, left the country and just went somewhere to South America and <laughs> probably did the business for the flamenco players or something. I just don't want him anywhere around Munich. You know? Yeah, yeah, but, exactly. But yeah, 13 million extend over that? No, short answer. Yeah, and, and I'm I'm falling in line with the thought that, and I didn't think I would be at this point, but I think that it's time to, to cut ties with Kingsley Coman, and it, it really doesn't have as much to do with his ability or his talent, because I like that. I like that he, he's fast, he's technical, he has the ability to create disruptions just about any defense, but his availability, like you said, is a major issue, and I look at where Bayern Munich has talent now. I love the way that Leroy Sané and Serge Gnabry are playing. And I've been one of these people saying Jamal Musiala should be starting on the wing now since last season. So uh, right now I think, yeah, yeah, I think you do right now have four quality, starting quality wingers. And I think 
at some point, if you're a club uh, that needs to look at salaries and distribute those salaries in a way that, al that allows you to plan properly for the future, I think you have to look at selling Coman next summer. I obviously wouldn't do it this winter because I just think you need to be sure that you have as much talent in your arsenal as possible heading into this, you know, the stretch run in the Champions League, the Pokal and the Bundesliga. Uh, but I, I would consider selling him and seeing what you can get on the market. I just think it's time. I think he needs to go somewhere else and take that talent somewhere where he can get the money that he wants and be as injured as he wants and not really have the Bayern fans fretting about it. So that's that's kind of where I would go with it. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't mind him, you know, moving to Tottenham or something. I mean, he can <laughs> enjoy, you know, the 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 trophies or the lack of, you know, <laughs> there. and possibly I would draw an analogy between Coleman and Usman Dembele of Barcelona. They're basically available for the same number of games every season. They're almost always in the infirmary. And I think that is not much value. Uh, I mean, Usman Dembele's situation is much, much worse because he's far more overrated and he oh, costs yeah. five times as much, <laughs> but that's another story altogether. Like we can, you know, slash, I don't, I don't even think we need to slash at Barca. They're in a very bad, position right now so i would just leave them where they are and focus on <laughs> Bayern. so yeah coleman uh like i said before like if he is not budging with his demands and if things are not going forward he's just not worth it i agree with you we should sell him yeah 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 and that's i think that's the way to go and we'll see what happens i know that he's got a lot of fans in in the Bayern munich boardroom and and people you know the personnel people at the club they love him because of his talent and he has been clutch for them at times and it's tough to look at a player like that and think well he can't help our club so we should get rid of him but i don't think that's the case it's not that he can't help so he's not available to help all that often. And he wants to be paid like he'll be out there every day. And just given what yeah. we've seen with the salary situations over the past, what, six months, I think they just need that flexibility to be able to go out and get a player that they need when they need that player. And yeah, he's like the he's like the direct opposite of Bunazar, you know. <laughs> You're paying <laughs> yes. him free wages to watch Bayern games in the Allianz Arena, and he's offering basically nothing. He's just negative value on the pitch <laughs> probably causing us to look like eight or nine men instead of like 11 men and i've been waiting for his remontada for like a year now and i have been i don't i'm beyond the point i actually don't think he can ever contribute anything useful so we should try and sell him off if possible but i think i don't think he's gonna you know agree to that he's getting that fat check oh, every yes. every year every season so if i were bunasar Although I would be, you know, pretty concerned with my footballing, I would really, really take that check and stay at Bayern rather than moving to like Besiktas or somewhere else where I probably not earn half as much. Yeah, that, that situation tears me up. So we should all be so lucky as to be Bunasar and be in a spot where we're going to get paid handsomely to do pretty much nothing other than work out. Yeah, I mean, Chuck, you should you should probably try out for Bayern, man. <laughs> if Bundesar can get him, you probably can. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm totally envious of the fact that he's getting paid handsomely to sit around and watch games because I can assure you at BFW, we are not getting paid handsome, handsomely to sit around and watch games. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> or do know, anything for that matter. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. So, uh, yeah, I, I will continuously be envious of Bunasar and his status. But, hey, I guess more power to him. He's He's got a great spot. And if he doesn't care about being on the field, then 
you know that, that's what it is and he'll yeah i mean we path. could use we could use an extra we could use an extra traffic cone in the training pitch you know? <laughs> yeah and if, if bunasar at any point wants to contribute and write the observations or match awards for us since he has kind of a, a front row seat to that i you know he's open to contact me and we can hook him up with a with an account in our publishing system and he can do that for us that would help us out with our game day coverage we probably need a new award, like Benchwarmer of the Week or something. You know? <laughs> we need to introduce that just so we can give a shout out to the players who have just been, you know, diligently doing their job, warming the bench and, you know, keeping things comfortable for the other bench players, you know. So, yeah, yeah we should probably do that. And, yeah, I mean, he's probably at this point, I would say Burasar is probably the least valued player under Nagelsmann if... Uh, Mikel Kizans wasn't playing for us. Like he is having a detrimental impact, you know, injuring our players, and that is a different situation altogether. So. Oh yes, this the hashtag yeah. step over King needs to probably yeah. step out now and and take his talents <laughs> somewhere else. But, yeah. Uh, one more thing that I wanted to touch on, and this is uh, something that it's off the Bayern radar, but it's something you and I are both pretty passionate about. And that is the upcoming season of Cobra Kai, because if you've read the weekend warm up or if you listen to this podcast, you know that that's one of the things that has kept me entertained over the past couple of years. And, and Schnitzel, you had recently watched the latest trailer. Uh, you know, we're not going to go on too long about it, but you give us a little bit of a snapshot of what you saw in the trailer. And, and I know you're a fan. So tell me how excited you are yeah. for this next season. So, I have seen all the original Cobra Kai movies and uh, this one, obviously the, uh, sorry, the Karate Kid movies, my mm -hmm. bad. Yeah. And, and the Cobra Kai series, I've seen every single one of them. And I think it's really wild and entertaining. And I really love the character arcs, like uh, the one of, you know, uh, Hawk and the one of Eli and the mm -hmm. one of, uh, you know, Miguel's life and how it's evolved, like how he has, you know, a passion now, a purpose and, you know, the story of uh, Robbie and how his life, this turbulent life, keeps throwing surprises at him. It's very interesting. And uh, the trailer obviously gave me a lot of excitement. Like, I am really eager for this uh, season to come out, season four. Yeah, I'm excited to, uh, I don't, should I spoil this, Chuck? What do you think? Oh, yeah, you, <laughs> can, those, you can give us, you can say yeah, what happened on the trailer. Uh, Terry, Terry Silver is coming back. And for those of y'all who don't know who that is, Terry Silver kind of uh, co-owned the original Cobra Kai franchise with John Kreese. And he kind of funded everything. He funded, he bought the place for him and they worked together and uh, he w was basically like a psychopath. So <laughs> him and Chris teaming together could be the worst in a, in a kind of a good way because like the season needs good villains to have a good story, right? So that is a power combination and I'm super excited for, you know, uh, Daniel uh, LaRusso and uh, obviously uh, Mike to team up together along with the rest of the Cobra Kai crew, you know, the original mm -hmm. Cobra Kai crew, you know, Miguel, Hawk, and all those people. And it's going to be very interesting, you know, the fights between these two gangs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, this this is always, the entire Cobra Kai series has been about Johnny Lawrence and redemption and him just figuring his way out through life uh you know trying to work through matters that can't be solved with him punching somebody in the face because i mean one i love it when he does punch people in the face during the show but yeah uh his entire character arc from the time you see him as a young punk 
and Karate Kid through now to where he's really just trying to sort his life out and get it together, but always, always finding a way to screw it up. Um, it, it's, yeah. it's just intriguing to me. It's, he's I, my favorite character on the show. He's the main reason I actually watch the show. Like his, you know, acting and the way he kind of embodies that role is incredible. Like his, it's so complex, you know, the emotions he faces and the things he goes through and how he comes out every time he takes a beating, he comes back again, he goes down again, he's back. So that kind of, you know, persistent, uh, uh, you know, effort taking personality. And uh, he's, he's obviously one to go into fights without any hesitation. So <laughs> I like that about him. He's very spontaneous. So, so yeah, it's very exciting. And he is the main reason I watch Cobra Kai really. Yeah, he reminds me of so many people that I grew up with who took a bad turn in life, uh, always found themselves facing difficult situations, always made the wrong choices and always buried themselves further. So uh, while that's not necessarily an optimistic tone, he definitely strikes a nerve with me because I've seen so many people go through that kind of thing and, and not be able to sort themselves out. So even though it's fiction, Seeing somebody be able to consistently get back up off the floor after he's been knocked down is kind of inspiring. And more than anything, it's fun. So I just enjoy the character and enjoy the show. So hopefully it can continue to live up to the billing that it's had. I always worry once you get to season four, season five, that things take a bad turn. But uh, I'm optimistic about it and I'm looking forward to it. And, cough, uh, cough, Game of Thrones, cough, cough. <laughs> oh, God, yes, because yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was such a fan of Game of Thrones, and then that yeah. last season is what did it for me because it was so was, rushed. Ugh, to be so very good. honest, to be very honest, I thought the quality started, you know, uh, like uh, decreasing from like season, as soon as season six onwards, although I did enjoy still like those seasons, but uh, I think George R.R. R. Martin played a huge factor, like his uh, exit was what paved the way to what ended up in a disaster, honestly, like it was really terrible. Season yeah. eight, I just wish I could erase it off my head. It is just shambolic, you know. I, yeah. I, I even saw a few jokes, you know, David Benioff, more like David Goodenough. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's what yeah. kills me. It's like you had such a great product and you rushed something out just to get it done. And it really just took away the quality and took away the fun and, and really was a big disservice to fans. And like you could go on and on about a million shows that have done that, that just wanted to be done. Um, and you can, you know, you can speculate, was, were the expectations too high? Did the writers feel like they couldn't live up to them? They just wanted that, that sense of urgency and that sense of responsibility to be over with? Or, or was this literally just a fact that everybody wanted to move on and they put together a pretty crappy product just to, just to get it over with? And I'll always think about that because for me, that was probably trending to be my favorite series of all time. But the way it the way it ended and, and how it kind of hit that downward spiral just just took it off the list for me. I mean, it's still in my top 10, but definitely a lot of the luster was lost. Agreed. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, and, and, you know, I think right now we're going to probably end this. So I want to thank you, Schnitzel. This was a lot of fun. We had a, a good time talking Bayern. We had a good time kind of venturing outside of the, the world of Bayern yeah. in Germany. So and I you should you probably... 
probably be delighted that you have someone other than you know Tom or I need no name talking to you. <laughs> you you always tend to do it with them, so it should it, it would have been a nice change of scene for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was good. I, I I'll be honest, I'd love to bring more and more people on staff, even people that aren't involved with the podcast. Just get them on and have some of our you know community members hear their voices and see you know, what these writers are all about, who they are, what they like. So I mean, that's something I think, you know, I can definitely, yeah, I mean, into uh, in the future. you had to, you had to previously pick between a Liverpool fan and, you know, the embodiment <laughs> of pessimism. So <laughs> now I'm glad you have even more choices. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That is everything for sure. So, you know, thanks everybody for listening. You know, we appreciate all of the positive feedback you give us. And as always, please, you know, reach out to us and, and connect with us on social media or on the site. We are 100% willing and eager to interact with you guys. So uh, as always, you can catch us at Bavarian Football Works for all the latest and greatest Bayern Munich and Germany coverage. You can get me at the Barrel Blog. You can get the site at Bavarian FB Works. You can get Jake at Jefferson Fenner. You can get Tom at Tommy Adams 71 You can get uh, I need no name at B-F-W-I-N-N-N. Schnitzel, do you have a Twitter account? Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> oh, so we're going to have to get you on that so we can we can add one more name to the list that I repeat <laughs> after yeah, every show. I, so we'll work on I that. I could do that, but I'm very skeptical of Twitter, so I don't think I'll be joining anytime yeah. soon. You know? <laughs> I could do without all the nonsense there. Yeah, And, and rightfully so. You absolutely should be skeptical of it. So uh, again, thanks for listening, and we will see you guys next time.